Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, presented by Manscaped.ca. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 134. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. Uh, Treg Wilson is unable to join us for this segment of the show. Um, he had personal issues that he had to deal with, so we wish him the best. Uh, in the second segment of our show, which was pre-recorded prior to this, uh, we're going to have Lyle Richardson, Spectres Hockey, is going to come on and talk about the trade deadline and what's going to be coming up. Uh, as we were talking, a few trades were broken as we spoke. So uh, it gives a little bit of a, uh, a window into Lyle's world. Um, we record now directly after the Winnipeg Jets put the Montreal Canadiens over their knee and spanked the living crap out of them. So we will get to that in a moment. We're going to start with a little bit of a palate cleanser, if you will. We're going to talk about Cole Caulfield. So something positive. <laughs> Yay. Positivity. <sighs> anyway, so Cole Caulfield has had his professional debut. He has two pro games to his belt, has two game winning goals an extra goal on top of that, an assist, and he has not looked out of place whatsoever. So, Matt, give us a quick synopsis of what you saw in the two games. What you said. Done. <laughs> no, he's looked, he's looked, um, he's looked like he did in, in, in college when he was, um, when he was playing there and he was all over the ice and he's, he's finding the openings just like he was at every other level. And it's crazy to think that, you know, the, the teams get the scouting report on this guy and he still just finds the, uh, he still just finds the open ice. Um, he, um, his debut was fantastic. He had just won the, the uh, 
Colby Baker Award prior to the game. Uh, watched that apparently in uh, Joel Bouchard's office. That was a pretty nice gesture of the coach to let him do that. And um, as I said, like his shot, his uh, his his shot, his speed, his uh, his drive on the puck, and he just um, he's all over the ice, and he's making his line mates better. And I believe that uh, putting him with a, a veteran guy like Jordan Wheel was a very uh, was a very good move. And and, and adding Veilleur to that line who's someone that I could see possibly being one of the next guys to go from an AHL contract to an NHL contract. Uh, I think it was a very good move by the coach. Um, overall though, uh, happy to see him, happy to see that he's uh, succeeding and a big shout out to Michael Pozzetta today for um, sticking up for Caulfield after uh, Rich Clune, who's the captain of the Marlies veteran guy, um, you know, took a little bit of Liberty, went out of his way to, uh, to hit Caulfield away from the play as he was trying to get onto the bench. It was a bitch move. We all know it was. And uh, obviously the coach or the, uh, the, the, the bench obviously saw it. Pizzetta is one of those guys that you're not going to, you're not going to screw with his teammates. And he, he, he took care of him pretty quickly. Yeah. See, and this is the thing. The AHL is a few years behind of the NHL when it comes to the goon factor. Um, the AHL is still filled with a ton of tough guys some uh, some heavyweights now Clune would fall into I guess the middleweight category but he's still one tough customer especially in the AHL um, and, and you're going to have a lot of players in the AHL who want to make a name for themselves on taking out you know the the top prospect from the other team they want to be seen by their own uh, their own franchise as someone who's willing to take uh, take those play those hard nose style games. So it's important to have guys like Pizzetta. I know Baddock in the roster and some people are going to, some people have actually responded to me on Twitter saying that despite me praising Pizzetta for standing up for his teammates, Baddock is better. Well, sure. I guess Baddock is better, but Baddock wasn't dressed. He's and you still need squ- those guys he's on the taxi squad right now. That's right. He's up on the taxi squad. So he's not playing with Laval. So you need guys like Pizzetta to step up. Isn't it nice to have more than one? So yeah. if Pizzetta not only not only did he did he have a fight, he he put up some points too. Yeah. yeah. It's nice it's nice to have a skill-based team and then still have these kind of guys you can rely on. Exactly. Right. So um all right, so yeah, so with Caulfield, I wouldn't want to rush him too much. The uh, I- the kit the kids, he looks good. He, he doesn't he does. look out of place, but I wouldn't want to push it too fast. I mean, he's going to have, a I, I, I wouldn't play. either. I wouldn't either. I don't want to, I don't want another situation. And like, this isn't a knock on Primo at all, but um, the year that he made his debut, it was very much a diversion of how bad the team was playing. And it was yeah, like, and it was like, Hey, look at this shiny new thing that we have here. And in Primo played well in the games that he played. I don't want to see that happen with Caulfield. I want the team to get back to some winning ways or at least build their confidence up again, get healthy before we see Caulfield at all in the, in the, uh, in the NHL. Well, they've got a gap of about six days between today's game against Toronto and the games, the game against Toronto in the, in the week, uh, I think it's Friday of this week coming. So I would not be surprised if Caulfield is called up to the taxi squad to practice with the big club dressing for a game i would be surprised 
despite all the uh, angry tweets that we saw tonight after the Habs game, demanding someone who can score goals, yep. I, rushing this kid is the would be the biggest mistake they can make. Yeah, well, we he saw Armia. Like Armia was skating today. Um, I I can see him being back in the lineup. Not maybe not Monday, but by the end of the week, I can see him being back in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, so, yay, Caulfield! Welcome to uh, pro hockey. Can't yeah. wait to see you actually in the NHL when you're good and ready and lighten it up. But uh, it's not going to be this week. So, moving on to the shit sandwich that is the Winnipeg Jets series that the Canadians just finished playing. Um, wow. Uh, tonight's game, the five, nothing loss to Winnipeg may be the worst game the Canadians have played all year. I agree with that. That was, that was painful to watch. Yeah. I completely agree with that. There was no, there was no kickback. There was no nothing. And I could see a team that, um, you know, yes, they took some very questionable penalties. There was a very questionable challenge, but there was no, there was no real bounce back. There was no, and when there was, there'd be a penalty, a questionable one, but it killed, it just, it killed the, uh, it killed just any of the life that they had and any of the momentum that they would, that they would think that they were having. I still don't know about that Drouin hook. I still don't know about that Weber hold, right? So it was a frustrating game to watch. It's beyond the, the calls. I mean, the, the calls were the calls. Uh, we can't, uh, we're not, I'm not going to rehash those, but I'm not blaming those piss poor calls. Oh, it wasn't, <laughs> the, that wasn't just what was going on. Like no. the, the team itself, the team itself just didn't have it. No, they were, they were, they were hot trash. Right. So um, there was no heart to the game. Like it was just, they were going through the motions. There was no, no pushback. There was no, um, they got, did, did they get 20 shots? I, the last I checked, I stopped, I stopped looking at the shot counter with a few minutes left and they were at like 15. Uh, you know, they just did not get any traffic to the net. They got no shots on net. Um, Winnipeg had a stick, tight gap, stick on stick all the time. There was no room for the Canadians to maneuver nor did they, they fight their way through to create any room. There was none of it. It, it, was, it was a heartless game. I, and I don't want to say that it's because Gallagher's not there, but he's not there. Yeah. And would it have been different had Gallagher been in the lineup to you know, pull everybody up by his bootstraps and kind of lead the way through uh, via his example? Hard to say. Uh, we saw a few players. Um, a few players, I don't think had a, as awful of a game as others. And um, you know, I, I, I liked I liked how Anderson was skating. I liked how Perry looked. But I think Perry's been one of their best players over the last few days, over the last yeah. few games. Yeah. Um, but um, the guys that I'd really like to see get going on the on the on the forward side, um, guys like Drew, he needs to get going. He needs to get a fire under him. And he's been getting the minutes under Ducharme. I don't know if that's because he used to be his coach and he's trying to put a fire under him. I don't know. He needs that fire. Another guy is Suzuki. I love Suzuki. However, at this point in the season, 
Kakaniami, I'd move him back to center and put Suzuki on the wing, and and they can swap positions. He's a right-handed shot. He's got a good underrated shot. Um, he's not as obviously hard-nosed and gr- as and gritty as as uh, as Gallagher. You know, nobody on that team is. But um, I just think he's better suited for that role. Yeah, I agree. I, I... Put Kakaniami with back in a playmaking role where he can still shoot the puck, and then give yeah. him give him a goal scorer on his wing or two, like Anderson Toffoli. And he's better in the faceoff circle. He is than Suzuki. He is. Yes. So that that was my that was my argument when they when Gallagher went down, I assumed and I would have picked Suzuki to go to the right wing instead yeah. of Kotkaniemi. Uh, Absolutely. And even and then and then it gives you another center if Dano loses a draw or not loses the draw but he just booted out of the draw. Yeah, and Kotkaniemi uh, is there to win the draw but you have your two best faceoff guys on yeah. one line. Yeah. Which, so that's why I would put Suzuki on that line. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as I like Stahl overall, mm-hmm. he is not really earning that top six, those top six minutes, in my opinion. No, for me, I would put him, uh, he'd be a bottom a bottom six center for me. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see when the team's back at, at health, like even when Armia comes back. I think that a line possibly of, say, Drouin, Stahl, and maybe Armia could work. Yeah. But, but, it, but who, but who knows, who knows what the coach is going to do. Um, the biggest, the biggest problem for me right now, isn't the forwards, it's the defense. Yes. There's uh there's the transition he, game is too slow in. Absolutely. In and generated. like Perry or Perry, I'm doing it again. Petrie, Petrie, Petrie yeah. the defense one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Petrie's game has just fallen off since he's went since he's been with Kulak. They've had a couple good games together, but he has to play more of a defensive game than what he would with Edmonton, and yeah. it's really shown on the score sheet. And it's really taken that weapon from the blue line away because before it was like we really need to guard this guy because we know the shots coming, we know this. And teams were looking for it. Now it's like, well, that guy's got to play defense. He ain't going to do shit. I think he's got, you know, three or four points since he's been with uh, Kulak going into the, going into it before the, uh, the Sherrod injury. He was like top three in scoring. I think now in for defense, but now I think he's ninth or ninth or 10th. So for me in that, this is a comfort level thing. Um, he got on a roll. He knew that with Edmonton, he, he would be able to rush up the ice and not worry about the defensive side. So he can push a little bit more than he normally had. With Kulak, he's not sure what end is which end. You know, he, because Kulak does this, it plays the same, a similar style. They both push the play up ice and then they have to rush back to cover on D. So if you're not sure if, you're, if you can push that little bit extra, or not, it, it throws it off. I mean, I know that they have good numbers, uh, advanced stats wise, uh, in the past, but he was in a com- he was in a zone. He was in a comfort zone with Edmonton. I would put him back there. Kulak yeah, would be 100%. a good fit with Weber at yeah. this point. Yeah, I know a lot of people have said put Mete on that line. Right now, I would keep Mete out of the lineup. Well, I, I'm not. Uh, like, Leskinen no. didn't do much tonight, but he looked okay. But he looked okay uh, in his first game. Right, he didn't. He didn't woo me at all or anything no, no, like no. that. But like, he didn't do anything overtly terrible. 
I give them another, I give them another game, but don't be surprised if uh, playing against the Leafs on Monday, if they go back to Mete with being a more yeah. speedy player, even though he's just going to skate the puck around. And around and around and around and around and around. around. So maybe he'll make Marner or somebody throw up or something for motion sickness, (laughs) but that's about it. That'd be hilarious. That would be. (laughs) So I'm going to do the, uh, a very rare thing. I'm going to award the Montreal Canadians, the coveted up and during clusterfuck COVID-19 patch. This was my patch. When we did the, uh, the op laser to you, for this game, the enduring clusterfuck. Hopefully, the last time is presented. I sure hope so. Oh my god! All right, so we'll move on from that to something a little bit more fun. We'll talk about uh, the trade deadline. Um, but before we do, we got to—I've got to put it out there. Flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and it's chi- its time to chop the weeds. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped. You can trim your holes safely and efficiently. And I'm talking about ball trimmers. Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use code UNFILTERED20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. They are here to make sure you are trimmed and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring cleaning like in the trade deadline. Spring is sprung and Manscaped has the best tools to get you ready. Manscaped are the global leaders in men below the waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their amazing products. They're here to help you with your above the waist holes too. Have you heard of their weed whacker? The nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. No more gross nose hairs, Flying in the wind. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence when providing hygiene. Speaking of incredible hygiene, Manscaped has formulations to keep you fresh and ready for everything that comes your way all day. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chaving ball deodorant moisturizer. It's starting to get hot outside, and this crucial, crucial time. You'll also find the Crop Reviver Spray-On Toner for your balls, which will help you smelling fresh down there, just like spring flowers. Speaking of smelling fresh, complete your grooming game this spring with the new refined cologne signature sent by Manscaped. This stuff is legit and will have you smelling like royalty. The cologne is light and approachable and gentlemanly in all the right ways. You'll be the talk of the next quarantine hang. Smell good, feel good this spring. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. It's spring cleaning, baby, and your balls will thank you. Whew, look at that. A little bit of spring cleaning. Spring clean your balls, spring clean your roster. So the trade deadline's coming up. There's been some moves throughout the, the, the league so far. What do you think is going to happen with the Canadians? 
very hard to say. I think I, I, I think we know what they need. Don't know what they're going to actually go do. I think they're, I think they're really banking on, I think we're going to know more a little bit about Gallagher's injury. If he needs to have surgery or not, I think that's going to weigh in on a lot of the decision is if he's going to have surgery and he's going to be out for the rest of the season and probably the playoffs, then there will, a move will be made. Um, I believe that they're more likely looking for a defenseman. Top yeah. top four would be obviously ideal, but even even a guy just to fill a role on either side. They they need they need the help. Um, hard to say who's going to be. Yeah, it would be for me. It'd be more of a of a guy that can move the puck. And I know everyone's saying. Oh, they're gonna go get Matthias Ekholm, and they should go get Matthias Ekholm, and every you know Matthias Ekholm. This he'd be the perfect uh, he'd be the perfect uh, partner, and oh well, three point seven five mil cap hit. That's what Gallagher makes, so it's perfect because he's on LTIR and everything. That's when Nashville was like terrible. Yeah, he's not moving. They're they're in a playoff spot now, and even though it's very unlikely that they're gonna catch a team like. Florida, Tampa, or Carolina, and jump up into a top three position. They're right now uh, four points, uh, four points ahead of Chicago, and they've got a superior team than the Blackhawks. So they're unlikely to be sellers at the deadline. I could see them maybe even trying to add a piece or two, but it's hard to say. Um, it's a I, I don't. I like it's 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 a it's a tough one this year. He's not moving. It's not going to be right. at home. It's but it's it's a, it's it's a tough one this year to predict what Bergevin might do. Is he going to go out and possibly look at a like a guy maybe like you know Hoffman to jump on jump on a wing? Is he gonna? I don't, I don't is, think. I don't think he will. I don't think he will either. But it's it's a name that's out there. And in, in, even St. Louis, St. Louis is a team that struggled throughout the year as well. But right now, they're only a couple points behind Arizona for, for a playoff spot. And yes, you know, right now they probably end up playing Colorado or Vegas in the first round, which obviously wouldn't be fun. But uh, St. Louis, the team that can show up in the playoffs, they've done it before. You know, like right now I'm looking at teams like the Devils, Buffalo, maybe Ottawa, but Ottawa's got a lot of youth and you'll only be getting their they're veteran bargain guys anyway, if you're, if you're to make a deal with them um, and then possibly guys from Anaheim, the Kings, the stars, et cetera, uh, the red wings. Um, someone that I could see moving would be like Olesiak maybe out of Dallas, but, yeah, but to the Canadians, I, but I don't think it would be a Canadians thing. Like he, he, I think he would, I, you know, he can play both sides. He can play physical. He can put the puck in the net every now and then he can, but is that what the Canadians need? It's no. not. That's the thing, right? Like you look at the list and it's, it's hard to say, it's hard to say what they're looking for. We know what they're looking for. We know that they need someone that can move the puck and, and, and get it on goal and uh, provide some offense. I was thinking maybe a maybe Ryan Murray. Well, he, the rumors today on uh, social media have Murray connected to the Canadians. Now, clearly these leaks aren't coming from the Canadians themselves, That's right. but uh, a player agent mentioned Ryan Murray being in the Canadians target area. Um, if that were true with his four and a half million dollar cap hit, New Jersey would have to eat at, at the maximum 50% and then take very little in return for taking that contract. 
I, I just don't see the Canadians wanting to take that on because he has term left to that. Does he? I he think does. he's. Got, I think he's. Your, I'd have to look it up. I'd have to look oh. it up. Continue, continue, talk, continue talking. Let's I'll look it up in the background. Now. Yeah, you look that up in the background. <laughs> okay. But even if he doesn't have any term, he's not. He's not really what they're looking for. He's not. But like, like the same thing. We we we've brought up Vince Dunn a lot, and Vince Dunn is a, if he's a guy that's better suited to stay on a team that's possibly going to try to make a push for the playoffs. He's also a puck mover and he's the type of puck mover the Canadians do need. Someone but that would be more of, that but place. that would be more of a hockey deal than a trade deadline deal. Well, yes and no. Um St. Louis is known for trading players who are on expiring contracts even even though Dunn is an, a restricted free agent. Um so Ryan Murray's UFA making 4.6. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. still way too much. Yeah. And I, they're not getting a first-round pick out of <laughs> out of this deal for Ryan Murray. Maybe that they can try to pump insane. some life into Sammy Vatnin or something. He's only making yeah. two. He's only making two mil. Yeah. At best, at best, New Jersey's probably going to get a second-round pick out of any deal for a defenseman. Yeah. Uh, I know that the, uh, the NHL draft this year is – is said to be weaker, but even, even though it is, even if it is giving up a first round pick in a weaker draft means more. (laughs) If you have a weak draft, that doesn't mean that everything after the top three are, are garbage. It just means there's not as much depth to that draft. So giving up a first round pick means less of a chance of getting a player out of this draft year. So it would be harder to give up that first round pick in that kind of year. Yeah. Another Especially guy that, with all the, all, with all the problems with scouting this year. Another guy that I'm thinking that they might look into, but it's another more defense first guy, uh, cheap contract. And he's, he's for a team that's, you know, New Jersey, they're really not the best team. Um, Kulikov is actually, he's, he's fared. Okay. He's, you know, he's fared well with the team. It's just, it's not a, it's not a, I'm not gonna say it's not a buyer's market right now, but it's just, it's so weird with, with COVID and quarantines and. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's I, would team, love to, I would love to see uh, Montreal play, go out some players off Calgary. Yeah. But players are wanting to go to players are wanting to go to the, you know, Colorado and they're wanting to go to Florida, like, like Gusev, like you talked about Gusev before possibly being a cheap addition for Montreal at a forward position. And there's, um, a lot of talks right now saying that uh, Florida is likely going to be the team that he goes to. So they're going to add even more offensive threat to their, uh, to their lineup. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Florida? It's almost, you know, spring breaks around the corner and party time. Woo. And it's like virtually no tax. So you're there making, is, your, yeah, there's no yeah. state tax. So you're making all your money. That's right. So, and he's been bought out. So Yeah. So he's going to be getting, I think it's like two and a half, three million dollars out of this buyout. Yeah, whatever. Plus, it is, yeah. plus the pro, uh, league minimum prorated contract. So, yeah, yeah Actually, no, he not, wasn't bought out. He went on, he went on unconditional waivers for a mutual termination, which usually means a buyout. Right. So, so he's got, he's getting his cash. Go oh, down he's, there. He's making money regardless. He's making like four yeah. million bucks or whatever. Right? So, so, yeah. so going to a non a state with no tax yeah. is a good idea. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I don't know. I, I do expect a defenseman uh, to be the target. I do expect Bergevin to make a move, especially after watching that debacle uh, this week. I mean, the game against Toronto, they were just missing that extra step, you know, that little bit extra on the on the blue line. And then this, the first game against Winnipeg, it kind of bled into that game a little bit, but they were missing a little bit of heart, especially after losing Gallagher. And then the game tonight, no heart, no, no extra step in the transition. They're going to have to sort that part out. The, the second effort, the, that battle rhythm that they have, but on the blue line, they'll have to fix that. And I think a shakeup where you bring in somebody, maybe even you move somebody out that might be enough to wake these guys up a little bit to get them going because yeah, they've got a nice little lead over Calgary and, and Vancouver for that last playoff spot. But how much longer is that going to hold out? And, That's right. and you don't want to, and you don't want to coast into the playoffs. No, no. You want to be able to get into the playoffs playing well right yeah. now. They're not there. So, uh, all right. Any, any final thoughts? I'm really hoping for a much better effort on Monday. That's all I can say is if not, it's, it's yeah. um, like some people are, you know, you, you, the players always get targeted, but a lot of people right now are going after Ducharme and they want his head and they're, and they're saying yeah. things like, you know, we're lucky that uh, it's just a, the interim tag still on him and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's hard to say what's going to happen if the Canadians falter heavily going into the playoffs or they don't perform as well as what we expect them to do or expected them to do in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Bergevin made it pretty clear that that's his guy and that's who he wants. Yes. The interim tag's still on, but it looks like he's got a pretty long leash right now. Well, it's, it just, it just, every time the Canadians go into a little bit of a streak where they're, they're losing. So this is the third straight, and they should have price back next week as well. Hopefully not, hopefully. probably not Monday, probably not Monday, but maybe by the end of the week, they'll have price back. Hopefully he's healed up, ready to go. But every time the Canadians have a little bit of a streak where they're losing, it's fire this guy, trade that guy, get rid of this, do that. Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, they, you got your scapegoat in Drew Wang, no matter what he does. Yes. He's playing like crap. He's not playing up to the uh, the level he can play at, yeah. but even when he is, when, when he, he has his good other, games, though, yeah, you know, they still crap on him. Credit credit is good games, right? But there's there's teams there, there's there's players that are on this team that I would be happy if they were able to move. Guys like Mete, guys like Byron, etc. But you know what? Byron has good games every now and then, and I'm not going to yeah. shit on him for it. No, right? They're few and far between, but it is what it is. Right. I'm a huge Weber fan, huge Weber fan, been a fan. I was a fan of his when he was in Nashville. I'm not going to, I'm not going to always defend him though. It's, you know, he he's had his ups and downs this year. And he needs his minutes managed. And the best way of doing that is finding him a partner who can, who is very mobile and can complement his style of play. Which is something they've been looking for since he's gotten on the team. Unfortunately. Yes. So uh, I think we'll, we'll end the segment there. Um, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Lyle Richardson, who's going to talk about the upcoming trade deadline. So 
sit back, relax. And when we come back from the break, Lyle Richardson, Spectres Hockey will be joining. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no frills, no nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no names and players currently making a name. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered presented by Manscaped. I'm joined now by our guest, Lyle Richardson, Spectres Hockey. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Thanks for having me on again. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, well, you know, you're uh, you're now our you're now the record holder for the most appearances on Habs Unfiltered. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I believe <laughs> that see. counts as it uh, counts as charity. <laughs> Let's see if we can run it up more, a little more <laughs> over the course of the year. No, it's great to be back on though. We're at, well, I'm unfortunately my uh, co-hosts could not be here because they had to work. <laughs> I say that in air quotes because uh, I've seen them at work and it's not work. <laughs> but uh, but I'm here to bother you a little bit and pick your brain. So you are one of the world-renowned rumorologists for the NHL. So this is this is basically your Christmas, is it not? Well, it's uh, yeah, it's it's definitely one of the busiest times. That's for sure. I, you know the. Uh, the busiest is is that period between the draft and and free agency but yeah this this is this is pretty darn close just because uh we may not see like a lot of big names on the move the trade deadline these days just you know we haven't in a long time just because of salary cap and all that good stuff but of course this year being a unique year we may not see a lot of really big names on the move but we'll we should still see a, a few notable deals in fact we've already had uh We've already had uh, a couple today and uh, a couple, uh, you know, be, be, during this past week and uh, even a big one for the Habs two weeks ago. So the activity started to, tr- to pick up. And yeah, it, uh, you know, I think we'll, we'll see some interesting moves uh, over the next couple of days. I, I, I think so as well. Um, and this time, it, this pandemic seems to really have caused some problems. Uh, the, the whole cap situation staying flat for, God knows how long they're expecting, what, two, three, maybe even four years of a flat cap? Something like that. We're looking at at least another two for sure. Next year, absolutely still going to be 81.5. Probably going to be the same the following year. There's some talk it might go up by maybe 100,000 bucks, but that's that's chicken feed for most of these teams that are, you know, that are riding very close to the to the cap uh, ceiling. So, uh, yeah, it, it has caused uh, some, some uh, difficulties, but... Uh, the one thing that we have noticed in the in a couple of uh, the notable trades of late is you're starting to see a lot of salary retention now. Uh, we saw that uh, case in point when the Habs acquired uh, Eric Stahl two weeks ago from the Sabres. The Sabres uh, picked up half of his uh, 3.25 mil cap hit for this year. 
Uh, we saw the same thing a couple of days ago with the Islanders and their big move, getting uh, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac. The Devils picked up half of their respective cap hits. So that's one way uh, we're seeing around it. Another way very quickly as well is we may see some third-party brokerage going on here. Um, a move that just happened today, of course, uh, Devin Dubnik, the Sharks sending him uh, to the Colorado Avalanche. And that gives them about 11 million bucks in trade deadline cap space. And I think that, yeah, uh, the Sharks GM there, Doug Wilson, I think he's setting himself up to be what they call a third-party broker. So if you've got a team... And let's say hypothetically again the Canadians, since it's a, since this is a half century yeah. show. But let's say for hype for for the sake of argument that uh, Mark Bergevin decides he wants to make another trade, he's uh, you know up against the cap right now. But with Brendan Gallagher on LTIR, he's got about uh, three mil and change, something like that, uh, that he could make uh, make a move. But uh, if he's looking at bringing in somebody who's a little more higher salary, perhaps he can swing a deal uh, with the uh, the Sharks. And maybe that you get at that the infamous three, you know, three team move that sees a guy go, a player go from team A to team B, and then on to its ultimate that's the destination of team C. So uh, you know that could be something to keep an eye on in the next couple of days. Chicago was also mentioned as a team willing to take on cap, and they did take some on when they made the Brett Connolly trade, mm-hmm. uh, sending Carlson and Walmart over to Florida. Um, seems the the big uh, the big get there for them was Borgstrom who had refused to report to Florida. Yeah. And well, yeah, Borgstrom, uh, you know, that, 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 that could be a case of a, of a young player who just needs a, a fresh start somewhere else. They were very, very high on him. Uh, he was a first, you know, former first round pick in 2016. Uh, he was expected to, you know, the projection was he could eventually be perhaps a, uh, you know, a, a second line center. He sort of had that potential struggled last season didn't really seem to fit in too well uh, under Joel Quenville so he'll get a fresh start um in Chicago uh Stan Bowman their GM there he certainly was uh, very keen on on getting him so yeah i mean that that's that those are the type of deals that we're going to see now um you know general managers let let's let's give them their you know credit where it's due they're learning to be creative here they're not letting uh, the salary cap limitations affect them teams that have the cap space to burn Listen, yeah, we'll take on your bad contract. And in the case of Brett Connolly, it's not so much a, not really a bad contract. I mean, he's got a couple more years left on it, 3.25 mil. Again, that's another example, perhaps, of a player who, who might regain his form playing on a different team. Uh, but for the Panthers, it was certainly, uh, you know, uh, something that was going to at least create some difficulty for them this year. And going forward, they really didn't see much of a future for him in their lineup. So, yeah, why not uh, ship him off to Chicago? The Blackhawks will happily eat that contract to get themselves a guy, you know, a promising kid like Borgstrom. So, uh, yeah, and, and for the Panthers, uh, it worked out well for them because they used that cap space to get themselves Brandon Montour today from the uh, Buffalo Sabres. So, yeah. As I said, you see the wheeling and dealings going on and, and uh, that, that actually kind of bodes well, I think, for the trade deadline. There was a lot of concern among uh, a number of pundits, especially those who have like eight hours to kill on television like <laughs> TSN and Sportsnet. They're probably thrilled right now to see this kind of activity going on because that means, yeah, we could see some more creative moves uh, on deadline day. I really don't envy their position being on TV trying to fill eight hours of airtime. Like you can only have a, a a paper airplane war for so long before people just start to tune out. <laughs> well, and and this is the problem, eh? I mean, this the trade deadline is just to kind of well, 
since we're talking trade deadline, it's not really going off topic, I guess. But, you know, deadline day just became this this huge thing on on the, the TV calendar. And especially here in Canada. I mean, you know, I'm so old. I can remember when trade deadline was just, you know, a couple of hours of mention on TSN and that was it. And then it became four hours. You know, it sort of like became an afternoon thing. You know, you, it, it, it came on at... Uh, you know, noon Eastern time and ran for the four hours. When I first started covering, uh, you know, the trade deadline uh, on my website many, many years ago before I even started getting any freelance work. I mean, that's basically the way it went, you know? I mean, yeah, it, it started at noon, went, you know, Eastern and until until uh, when an hour past, you know, 3 p.m. and then that was it. There were your deals and that was it done. But then we started seeing some big moves happen like sort of in the mornings. You know, didn't, didn't happen very often, but you start to see some notable players getting moved in the morning. I, I think like Keith Kachuk, I think, was a notable one back in 07, if memory serves. And after that, it just became, right, we're going to start first crack a sparrow fart. Yeah, we're going to be online for 10 hours. And that's a hell of a lot of time to kill when there's nothing going on. You know, I mean, they go back and they review all, you notice, they, they always start off by looking at all the players who are potentially on, you are on their trade board. Then they look at them again. Then they review the deals that have happened. And then it's time for the silly stunts and bringing the llamas into the parking lot and all that nonsense until finally two hours before the deadline. That's when the moves start happening. And the relief on their faces is palpable when the deals start coming down. <laughs> finally, we can put the goofy shit aside and we can start being serious kind of sports journalists again, <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they're really, really, really were nervous that we may be sitting there for hours and hours on Monday with nothing to report. And I think now, you know, as long as there's still some notable names still there, as long as the Taylor Hall's still there, uh, Mike Hoffman, Nick Felino, guys like that, you know, Josh Manson, as long as those names are still there in the mill uh, come Monday, at least there's a possibility of, of some more significant deals. So that'll help them, you know, at least have something to talk about on Monday morning. Yeah. I expect those bigger names, uh, the GMs are going to hold on to those assets, trying to maximize the return. Clearly uh, when you, you mentioned Lou Lamorello scoring Palmieri and uh, Zajac, it cost them a first round pick. Yeah. They, but they had to buy that first round pick by eating all that cap. So there's these trade-offs so i can i can completely see the gms trying to hold off to maximize those deals and we're seeing it happen as i mean just today all the uh, montour as you mentioned uh nemeth last night went to uh colorado to bolster their def- their blue line so colorado's putting putting it together they needed some goaltending they needed some defense uh mm-hmm. they also needed some scoring depth so they there's still players in this this trade deadline yeah, I would say they that Sakic uh, addressed his two main needs yeah. in the last two days. Dubnik getting Dubnik was the big one. They needed to shore up that goaltending depth. And and you know let, let's let's give Sakic his props, man. I mean th- this guy this guy is as cool a customer as a GM as he was during a player when the pressure was on. I mean you know the last three weeks, I mean he's just been hearing it from Evs fans. When's he getting a backup? We need a better backup. When's he getting back? He needs to move down now now. And it's like, well, no, there's time. Ride it out. We'll get there. He saw what happened during the playoffs last year when they had to ride a third stringer. You know. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, he doesn't want to repeat that again. He wasn't going to sit on his hands. He was going to wait until the right deal could be made, and he, he made it. And I think Dubnik's a good pickup. I mean, yeah, he, he hasn't won many games uh, this season with the Sharks, but, I mean, the Sharks, for the first half of this season, they were they were terrible. They really were. Uh, it's only been in the last six weeks they've really turned things around and they're starting to make a run for a playoff spot. Uh, but Dubnik, I think, on a, on a better team, a deeper club, because let's be honest, that that Ebb's defense is a hell of a lot better than than the one in San Jose. Yeah, uh, I think you know you can put him in there to start spelling off Philip Grubauer, um, you know, down the stretch here, and you could definitely go with him in the playoffs because he's got that postseason experience. So that was the big move. Nemeth, yeah, you know, it, it's a good depth move to have, though. I mean, my God, the depth they already have. I mean, it's just wow, you know, amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they could they could bring in another scorer, but honestly, I think if, if there's not a deal to be had, I think Sackett would be could stand pat and be comfortable with the moves that he's made. Yeah, I can like I said, I, I can see him going for a little bit more depth on uh, up up front, but he, maybe a like you mentioned, maybe yeah. if you could get a like a Ryan Reeves type of guy, I think that would be the type of guy they they would need because we all know it gets really physical in the playoffs. And that's the one thing, if you ever, if you notice the games that they've had, if you've seen any of the games between the Avs and the Golden Knights this year, the one advantage that the, that the Golden Knights have is that, you know, they have physical guys, you know, they've got a Ryan Reeves, you know, yeah. they've got physical players and those are the kind of guys who, yeah, they can start to really make a difference over the course of the playoffs. So I could see them maybe doing that, maybe getting a guy with some muscle, if he can score great. But I really think somebody who's going to, you know, who's going to lay some big hits, who's not going to take any crap, you know, be willing to drop the gloves if he need to. Yeah, I could definitely see him going after somebody like that. Yeah, you mentioned Vegas. It's going to be kind of weird to watch a deadline come and go and Vegas not make a move because they've been such such a busy team when it comes to wheeling and dealing, be it the offseason or even at the deadline. They're so hard against the cap. Uh, you can't, I, I don't, I don't see how they can pull something off. Yeah. I mean, and that's where, again, it, it like I said, it, it would involve, um, you know, getting a third team involved, either a team that, you know, you can make a direct deal to, you know, free up some cap space, or it becomes one of those, you know, three, you know, three team deals. That's the only way I can see them doing it. either that, or it's got to be dollar in dollar out. And who do you move in that instance? Then those, those deals, especially for the golden Knights, that one's going to be really hard to do. Um, so yeah, it, you know, that, that's a team where it could be really, really tough for them to make it. Here's an interesting one though. I'm just seeing here coming down over Twitter. Uh, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet says he's hearing Tampa Bay and Columbus working on a David Savard deal. Now, you want to talk about a team that's close to the cap. There's, again, another prime example of Tampa Bay Lightning. But, uh, you know, Julian Brisebois, he's he's been down this road before. And he's he's another one. He's kind of, you know, who, who has that experience in being able to magically make the cap dollars work. So it's going to be interesting if he pulls this off. It's going to be interesting to see how that, that deal is going to work. But, uh, you know, whether it's dollar for dollar or it's one of those ones, again, where you're trading cap space, whatever, uh, it'll be interesting to see. But that's just the latest that's come down over over Twitter here in the last three minutes. So, yeah, yeah it, it's going to be uh, it's shifting sands. And now with to kind of bring it over to the North Division, mm-hmm. because this is a, a Hab show, we're going to talk a little bit more about this division as opposed to the others. Um, obviously, Toronto is going to be a heavy player. They made that Riley Nash move. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a cap move for people who are uh, 
were reading that on Twitter and I saw all kinds <laughs> of Habs fans trying to dunk on the Leafs for that. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, even if he were healthy, that's still a good move. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, they they actually uh, they were impressed with uh, with Riley Nash uh, in last year's playoffs against Columbus. They know how Duffy is to play against. You know, he's one of those depth guys that, yeah, he may not be a big name, but when you're going through that long slog of the playoffs where you need, you know, solid checking line depth, he's one of those guys that can give it to you. Um, and this works well in, in two ways. One, it gives them cap space. And the other is they, you know, so they can use that cap space to bring in a player at the trade deadline. And then in six weeks time, when he's recovered from his knee sprain and the salary cap no longer matters because you're in the playoffs, well, now he can join your roster. So that's almost as good as another trade. So, you know, listen, I know that Habs fans may not, uh, may not like the Leafs. They may not think much of Kyle Dubas, but you got to give Dubas his props because he's done this before. We talked about this before the show started. This is a guy, he's done it before. He's acquired guys who are on LTIR. You know, he uses them to bank the cap dollars to then go get the player that he really wants. You know, so that's a very shrewd move on his part. And in this case, doubly shrewd because then that player, when he comes off LTIR, can join the roster in the playoffs. It's a two for one deal, essentially. And for the cost of a conditional seventh round pick. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it basically got it for nothing. So exactly. I'm, I'm really, I'm really concerned if, if you're a Habs fan and you're wondering the Canadians playing the Leafs in the first round, you should be concerned about what his next step is going to be. Who is he going to bring in? Yeah, exactly. Uh, We know that uh, Kyle Dubas, he, you know, for the last three weeks, that's been the talk of Toronto's that this guy's looking at bringing in a forward. There's been some talk of late that he might, move off of that and maybe either look at getting a goaltender or maybe look at bringing in another defenseman uh, because he's apparently Alex Galchenyuk of all people is impressing them with his play since they, since they brought him in. Yeah. As Habs fans, we all know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, impressive galley one week will can turn into a regrettable galley the next, but um you know, hey, if it works out, I mean, you know, hey, good for him and good for them. But uh, honestly, though, I I think he's still going to go get that that top six forward that he wants. I really think, and, and it's going to, I think it's a left winger. Now, if it's Taylor Hall, uh, he's the most notable left winger available right now. If it's Taylor Hall, well, hey, you know, that'd be a hell of a move. Um, how you swing and how you pull it off would be impressive. It'll be interesting to see, but I definitely think that he's still going to go after that forward. Yeah. If he goes for someone like that, it would have to, it would have to cost him a couple of his top prospects. I would assume. Well, he's willing to do that. He's willing to move at least one. We know that for sure. The only one he's not moving is uh, Rasmus Sandin. He's not moving him. That's the only one, but a kid like Nick Robertson, Willing to move him, willing to move uh, some, you know, some of his other ones. So, and I also have to wonder too, perhaps maybe uh, Alex Kerfoot gets moved as well. 3.5 mil for the next couple of seasons. You move that off your books. Uh, he's still, a, you know, he's still a good player right now who just seems to be having difficulty finding, you know, finding his niche, if you will. Uh, with the lease, but maybe going to a, 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 maybe either a rebuilding team or just a different team altogether. Maybe he, he finds that more comfortable role, but at least he's a serviceable player, you know, and he's not nothing. So, you know, if he could even move him as part of it, uh, that, that could, that could be a possibility as well. The deadline, 
then again, maybe he waits and does that move in the off season. But, uh, you know, given, given what he did bringing in Riley Nash. Yeah. Kyle Dubas isn't done. He's going to make no. another move by, by the deadline. It's going to happen. And I think it's going to be a forward. And now uh, Winnipeg Jets, Shevel Day off. Clearly they need to, uh, some kind of help on defense. Mm-hmm. Their top six is pretty set. They got, I think they got one of the better top sixes in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Big, heavy. They, yep. uh, they, can, they can score. They can play that cycle game. So it's really, it seems to be their defense is that Achilles heel, even though they're a very good hockey team. Mm-hmm. And the defense does play fairly well, especially in front of a Vesna caliber goaltender like Hellebuck. Yep. Um, but I do see them trying to fish for a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Have you seen anything at all on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been tied to, uh, we just spoke uh, a few minutes ago about David Savard. That's been one of the names that's been uh, continually floated uh, in the Jets media. Um, it's the name that I've been hearing a lot tied to to Winnipeg. Now, whether he actually goes for it or not remains to be seen. Speaking of Savard again, uh, Aaron Portsline, who covers, he's the, uh, the athletic beat writer of covering the, uh, the Blue Jackets, and he just said, uh, the Jackets have had acceptable trade offers on the table for David Savard for a couple of days now. Uh, Jackets GM Yarmo Kekalainen is hoping to create a bidding war. Wonder if Montour to Florida today has pushed Kekalainen to move sooner. Uh, yeah, I'd say yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, with uh, this talk of Columbus and the Lightning maybe close to a deal for Savard, maybe that uh, forces uh, Shovel Day off to maybe up the ante if, if he is indeed uh, putting in a pitch for him. Um, there was also talk maybe he might go after Nashville's uh, Matias Ekholm, but given the Predators run back into playoff contention over the last month, I think he's off the table. I really yeah. do. Uh, but yeah, you know, he's, you know, and he hasn't dismissed the idea. I mean, listen, he already uh, made one significant trade very early in the season, bringing in uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, so I absolutely think that uh, he's going to do what he can, see what he can find to, to bolster his uh, his defense. If if he can't get uh, Savard, if Savard's off the table, maybe that focus shifts to uh, Josh Manson in Anaheim. Uh, but that one's going to be expensive. That one, yeah. you know, their speculation on that is they want a first round pick and a top prospect because he's got another year left on his contract. So they're not just going to, they're not, this isn't a guy you're going to get for a second round pick. It's just not going to happen. It's going to cost you, but that could be the type of player though. Perhaps he goes after, or maybe he looks for, at somebody else that's not even on the trade board for all we know. So yeah. I, I, I do think he'll, he'll make another move. He'll, he'll go for a defenseman. And, and with, with the draft being uh, considered to be less deep than in, previous years mm-hmm. i could see draft picks higher draft picks being more of a commodity those first round picks those second round picks being bandied about a little bit easier um some uh, for instance a team like edmonton i i see them being willing to give up a first round pick now that they're 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 close but they need someone to eat some cap from them to make anything happen yeah, but the problem with that, though, Blaine, the problem with that is uh, they don't have any picks in the second, third, and fifth rounds of this year's yeah. draft. And if you're going to give up that first, it's going to have to be for more than a rental. It's going to have to be for yeah. a good player that you're going to have at least beyond, for at least beyond this season for at least another year, preferably longer. Uh, otherwise, it's not even worth it. And in fact, uh, Kenny Holland yesterday, the GM of the Oilers, said he is not trading a first-round pick for a rental. He said yeah. he would listen if it's a player, a good player 
with term on his contract. So I won't fully rule that out, but given, given their, the limited picks that he has in this year's draft. Uh, yeah, it, it'll have to be a significant, uh, significant player for him to part with that one. Yeah. In my opinion, that's, that's a move that he would, he would make only for someone that'll fit their longer term names, like you mentioned. Um, and, and that first is there as, as to grease the wheels, so to speak, to have the yeah. other team eat some of that cap. And the other thing too, with, with these first round picks, uh, if you're a contender where you are in the standings, I think will determine how willing you are to part with your first. The reason why the Islanders are willing to part with that first for Palmieri, look where they are in the standings. They're jockeying for first overall, you know, in the standings, that pick is probably go is definitely going to be, you know, in the lower third. And the Islanders are a legitimate Stanley Cup contender this year. They yes. are legit. So that pick could end up being, you know, 26 to 31st when it's all said and done. So in that instance, for the type of player that you got, yeah, you're willing, you're willing to make that move. Whereas if you're, if you're say the Montreal Canadians where you are and you could end up perhaps in the overall standing, maybe finishing 15th or 16th or 14th, 13th or you know you know what I mean you're you're going to be less inclined to give up that pick you know it's like Toronto you know again Toronto another one of the top clubs they might be willing to part with a first we'll see but again that pick would be lower third in a draft that is supposedly considered to be not as deep as other years I I always hate when I hear that sort of thing because, (laughs) you know, we don't know. I've I've heard that, oh, this isn't a good draft year five years later. God, look at the great players that came out of that draft. You know, oh, this is a, look how deep the draft is this year. Good Lord, five years later. Geez, not very many players came out of that draft. Uh, But anyway, yeah. So yeah, where you are in the standings, obviously is going to depend on on how willing you are to part with that first. Yeah, and uh now that uh, we've gotten the playoff teams out of the way, except for the Canadians, which we're saving for last, of course, uh, Calgary. Right. Calgary is a team that I've been keeping an eye on all season. They're, they're on the outside looking in. They're, there's been rumbles that they, they're looking at shaking the roster up a little bit. I see it more of a summertime thing, but do you, do you have anything that would say that they might make a move to try and make a push for the playoffs here? No. No, I honestly, there's some real issues on that roster in that room. Um, no, there, there's nothing there that I can see. I, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe Brad Living, their GM, surprises us and makes a, a big season saving swap. I don't see it. Uh, I think he's a seller now. I think uh, you're going to see guys like, uh, well, I think Sam Bennett could end up getting his, uh, his wish and getting that trade that his agent uh, said that he would like to have that could happen now uh, because the playoffs is, are, you know, that's a fading dream. And the only reason why he wanted to hang on to Bennett was because he turns into, into a beast when the playoffs begin. Um, David Rich, the, uh, the backup goalie, he could move Derek Ryan, the, uh, the center, he could be on the move as well, but you're right. The bigger name guys like Goudreau and Monaghan, those type of the, no, that doesn't happen till the off season. Um, I've had I've been asked if uh, Matthew Kachuk would also be one of the guys on the move. I'll be shocked if they moved him. I think he's a guy that they would they would prefer to keep around. He's a real heart and soul guy. You may not like some of his antics on the ice, but this guy plays his guts out, 
every night. He's the same as his little brother, Brady. Same thing. Agitating. But he, let's be honest, if either one of those guys was on your team, you'd be thrilled, you know, to have them. Oh, yeah. So, no, I don't think uh, Matthew Kachuk gets moved. But, yeah, um, there, there's just some real – there's some real – chemistry issues there somewhere because on paper this is a team that should should right now they should be jockeying with the Habs for fourth they really should and they had their opportunity when Montreal was sidelined for a week because of the COVID-19 protocols and they lost every game they didn't gain any ground on the Habs and in my opinion that yeah that pretty much was the nail in the coffin for the Flames playoff hopes and I know we could still it's still some games left to go but I think that ensured the Canadians will finish at least fourth and make the playoffs this year, you know, and the the Flames were the only team, you know, putting my Habs fan cap on now for a moment. They were the only team I was concerned with Vancouver. Yeah. They had a bit of a surge up and down a little bit, but their defense was just, it's just so porous that even Thatcher Demko's heroics isn't going to be enough to save them. Uh, you know, Ottawa, no chance, even though they played the, the Habs hard all year long. Um, yeah, they, they don't, they're, they're having problems with other teams. So, uh, no, wasn't going to happen for them. Calgary was the only club I was concerned with and I'm not now Montreal is going to make the play. I'm not, not saying they should coast, you know, there's still some time, you know, yeah. the, the things could change, but barring a stunning collapse of epic proportions by the Canadians over the next month, they're in, they're going to make it. So start, yeah, if you're Mark Bergevin, start prepping your roster because you're going to be meeting either the Leafs or the Oilers in the first round. Now to prep that roster, um, he's picked up Stahl, as you you mentioned earlier in the show, which I think was an excellent move, a third and a fifth, when you already have three of each of those picks in those rounds. So you give up one, of, and I think it was their own, so it was the later picks of each round. Exactly. So that's a good move, and it adds that veteran help up the middle. Now, I don't think that's any secret. The Canadians need help on defense. Mm-hmm. So do you see, uh, I mean, no one really knows what the hell Bergevin's going to do. The leaks do not come out of his office. <laughs> so is there anything leaking from the other teams where he's actually, uh, he's, you know, flexing the old bicep on? <laughs> he's pulling the trig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what we'll call it pulling the drag there yeah. we go <laughs> pulling the drag uh but uh <laughs> love you buddy no but uh uh honestly i think mark, mark bergevin learned his management skill i know he learned them in the blackhawk system but honestly i think he took a page from the lou lamarillo school of management because as you said nothing leaks out no one knows who he's targeting. I dare say if anything leaks, he does what Lamarillo does. If the other team leaks it and just shuts it down, you know, and says no. And that's the end of that. Uh, the guy I would, I would have loved to see him get again. And I mentioned him earlier would be Matthias Ekholm because it's the left side of their D the yeah. left side of their D left side of their D. I've had people argue with me. It is the left side of their D that needs to be shored up and Ekholm would have been the perfect pickup. And if you could have made that move three weeks ago, you wouldn't be hearing any complaints from me, you know, but now uh, there's, there's some left side guys out there, but nothing on Beckholm's level. Um, I had heard, you know, people also suggest, Hey, what about David Savard? I wouldn't have been against that move either. 
maybe maybe uh, Bergevin's in on that too. I don't know. None of us know. Uh, but if this deal goes through uh, that the Jackets send him to the Lightning, well, we can take him off the books. But um, yeah, I, I do think that that's, that's the area that he's going to be looking at. Um, he, you know, I, he, maybe he could go after another four, but at this case, I'd say why. You know, really, there's no reason to. You're 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 chock a block with him now. Bringing in Eric Stahl was 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 a terrific move. I really thought that was the right move to make. Bring in some experience there at center. Take some of the pressure off the younger guys like like Suzuki and Kotkaniemi, um, and you get all that depth and experience there. Uh, you know, you've got Michael Froelich on your taxi squad as well. You can put him in there more often if you need to. For heaven's sake, Cole Caulfield now, of course, made his pro debut <laughs> last night with the Val. I don't he was expect okay. to, I do. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah, good. Yeah, he's that kid. Oh, the hell with it. Nah, it was a great debut by the kid. <laughs> that kid can score from the parking lot. He's that damn good. Um, but could we see him before the end of the season? Maybe. I think that's a card that gets played in the postseason. I think that's where yeah. you see a Kale McCarr. You know what I mean? Because we saw that two years ago. Kale McCarr came out of university, signed his pro, da-da-da. But he did not play for the Avs. He didn't make his debut until the playoffs, and he performed very well. Maybe we see that. It's just because, again, where the Habs are so tight on the cap space. And I know, yeah, Caulfield's contract isn't that big, but still trying to fit it in. You know, if there's room, sure, why not? If the kid looks looks really good after two or three weeks in Laval, sure, bring him up for a week or so and, and see how he does. Otherwise, you could use him uh, in the playoffs. But regardless, um, as I was saying, though, he's got enough depth up front now. I think you, you're going to have to go with, with the guys that you got there now, and there's plenty. But it's it's the blue line that's the concern. And that's, I think, the area that he's going to use that cap space. Uh, now that Gallagher's on LTIR, I think he'll use that cap space to address that. So a, a name like Vince Dunn has been bandied about. I, it, that's a lefty. He uh, He's a puck mover. I don't know how expensive that would be, especially for uh, the St. Louis Blues, who they're, bat- they're kind of in a battle for that playoff spot. But despite that, uh, Army likes to trade off expiring contracts. Mm-hmm. he's done it in the past uh, Hoffman's in the rumor mill right now uh, I know Dunn has been bandied about again as I mentioned so uh, maybe maybe we see something along those lines maybe it could be I wouldn't be uh, disappointed if he managed to land uh, Dunn because unlike Hoffman Dunn's a restricted free agent yeah. uh, with arbitration rights obviously this summer but a restricted free agent and I think that, uh, yeah, he could be a, he could be potentially a good fit there. Maybe he just, again, this could be a case of a, of a kid that needs uh, play, maybe play for a different coach in a different uh, city. Uh, you know, Craig Berube, yeah, good coach, but, you know, he's a demanding coach. And, you know, as we saw earlier in the season, if you're not playing up to snuff, you know, he will bench your ass and yeah, he will not be shy about voicing his displeasure. He's not, Ruby's not in, in John Tortorella territory. No, nobody's in John Tortorella territory, but uh, he's not exactly, doesn't exactly uh, suffer fools gladly either uh, for lack of a better phrase. So yeah, maybe Dunn needs to be moved out of there, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. The blues, that one's going to be an interesting one. Because I also heard today, oh, yeah, they're willing to move up guys. But they're also in the Taylor Hall sweepstakes. Okay. <laughs> That'll be interesting. All right. Yeah. They're in the running for first overall pick. Because whoever gets in <laughs> usually gets that first oh overall. Oh, my God. Oh, Taylor Hall. Wow. Wow. 
just as an aside, just as an aside though, Taylor Hall has never been the same since that knee injury. No. The you know, he was you look at the the 33 games that he played that he played following his his heart trophy season and he was point per game. He was lighting it up just like he was and he was playing through pain. And then he had the knee surgery and he just hasn't been the same. He's he's not driving the play. You know, he's he's more of a periphery guy. He's, he looks nothing like the guy who who won the Hart Trophy three years ago, and I think it's tied to that knee injury. But anyway, could be a confidence thing based on that. I mean, as someone who has suffered several massive knee injuries, I know his pain. There you go. Yeah, yeah. you you would know firsthand, my friend. So yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it it not everybody bounces back, and no knee injury is the same. I mean, no. you know, physiologically, everything, everybody's different. We're all snowflakes. So, uh, you know, what could be easy for one guy to, uh, to overcome could, could be a problem for another. So and it depends on the style of game and the way you skate. So yeah, there could be a lot of different factors there, but, uh, it hasn't, it hasn't really hurt interest in him in the market there are still lots of teams that'd be willing to take a chance on him playing you know if you could bring him to say say you could bring him to a team like toronto montreal you know a team that's that's deeper a deeper club with with more talent from to play around yeah maybe that he could he could regain his his offensive touch and in the same time benefit the other players with him uh but the problem is for the sabers is he's he's not worth as much as he was a year ago and that's that's where the problem lies. So um, it'll be interesting to see uh, because he's going to get traded. I'll be shocked if he's not traded uh, by de- by the 3 p.m. deadline on Monday. But uh, I I'm, I'll be very surprised if they can get a first round pick as part of the return. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, they bought him as a free agent, so you just take your best offer, um, yeah. whatever it may be. I would and like you, I'd be shocked if a first is involved simply because of his cap hit. So yeah. they retain 50% and they might maybe with some luck get a first. Yeah. Maybe. And if it was Montreal picking him up and I'm not saying it is, I don't think it will be, but how many games do you think it will take before Hall becomes the scapegoat and the target for hate <laughs> instead of drawing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, if there's, you know, I'm just going to get this out here right now, <laughs> put my Habs fan, Habs fan cap on again for a second here. Yeah. You know, Mark Bergevin has done a hell of a job as a general manager. He gets a lot of flack that he does not deserve. He has won more trades, many more trades than he's lost. But, oh, I God, I wish that that drew him for, you know, circuit trip. I, I was not, I was nervous about that deal when it went down. And it's just over time, my worst fears have just been confirmed because Drew Ann is, is such a periphery player. You know, everybody pointed to, oh, but look with him and McKinnon when they were together on the on the Mooseheads. And it's like, yeah, but who's the guy driving the play? Who's the guy driving the play? And that's the thing. Drew Ann is not that guy. He's a periphery guy. And yeah. If, if, he, if Taylor Hall came there, oh, goody. Now we got two periphery wingers. Hooray. So uh, but we, I don't think we have to worry about that. I, I will be stunned if, if, uh, if Taylor Hall is wearing a Montreal Canadiens jersey by 3 p.m. on Monday. Yeah, I, I, if they're going to pick up a winger, they've already got him in the system. It's Cole Caulfield. And exactly. I, would not, I would not be surprised to see him called up uh, during that break 
to join the taxi squad because they play today. Uh, the, as we record, the game has just uh, is about to start uh, in uh, Laval versus Toronto. Yep. They have that game today, and then there's a six day break before yep. their next game. Put him so on the taxi squad. Yep. No harm exactly. to put him on the taxi squad. Yep. Because he doesn't have to clear waiver. So back and forth you go. Yeah. That's right. That's, you know, and hey, you know, if he, if he play, performs well in practice, if he, you know, lines up with, you know, the chemistry looks good, who can say? But, uh, you know, He's again, I still. Robertson levels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I still think that that's, that's still a, to see his debut. I think I still see that as a playoff thing. But again, yeah. you know, you never know. Yeah, it's it's possible near the very end of the season uh, after he gets about five, six, seven AHL games in. And that's what I would prefer to see, Blaine. I want to see him get a little more pro experience. Yeah, that was a a terrific debut last night. But one AHL game does not mean instant NHLer. So, you know, maybe he is capable of it. It wouldn't be the first time we've seen kids be able to make that jump. But uh Still, let, let's give him a little more seasoning and let's see how, how he does. And, and then, yeah, you can look at bringing him up either toward the end of the year or, or at least have him on your, you know, have him on your taxi squad in the playoffs. Though by that point, they're no longer a taxi squad. They're the black aces and they can be used at any time. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you on that part for sure. Uh, I Habs fans have every right to be excited about this young man. Absolutely. He, he looks like he is going to be a very good NHL hockey player. Yeah. The, the thing that I'm I'm trying to hold back on, and I've been taking a lot of heat for it in the last day, just because he had such a good game, was I don't want to rush this this young man. Yeah. It, there's no one's ever played too many AHL games before their their debut, but there's a lot of people who have played not enough. Exactly. So that's I've taken a lot of heat for it, but eh, whatever. I got big shoulders. No, <laughs> you have to. Yeah, well, of course, you're big shoulders. You're in the Navy, my friend. We're all yeah. used to that. Ex-sailor, we all know. Big shoulders, yeah. too. Got to carry, uh, <laughs> carry that anchor. Oh, <laughs> uh, what did the Beatles say? You're going to carry that weight a long time. Uh, but uh, no, uh, no, you're not wrong, though. I mean, look, look, again, yeah, Habs fans, we, yeah, exactly. Be excited about this kid. You know, let the haters, uh, you know, from other teams, whatever, just, ignore them jesus when they show up on your twitter feed just don't even respond because they want you to the minute you respond to them you, you've lost the battle ignore yep. them don't give them the option they need stick stick with stick with your kind <laughs> stick with fellow habs be excited about this kid sure but i agree with your point 100 percent. don't rush him okay the i god i've seen i have been i have been watching nhl hockey for 51 years yes i'm that old kids 51 years i look great but 51 years (laughs) and i have been covering this professionally for 17 and i've seen too many kids that look so promising with so much potential get rushed into the lineup and they get ruined they get absolutely ruined the heightened expectations or struggling to adjust to the NHL pace too too much too fast. Yes, yeah, some kids can adjust and bounce back and, and handle it quickly. Most of them can't. And it's like, you know what? Don't rush him. He's going to be with you for a long time, okay? We can wait. He'll have his opportunity. 
if if he plays well enough, as you said, if he comes up in the taxi squad for a few games or a few games, a few practices and looks really good in practice and they feel, well, let's throw him in a game and see what happens. All right, sure, fine. But again, I would be more comfortable seeing him have a few more AHL games under his belt before you do that. If not, I would be fine if they decide, no, we're going to let this gem polish and then we'll look at next year. I would be fine with that too, you know? Let's not, like I said, let's not ruin them. I know, look, Habs fans, we are hungry for a genuine star. A genuine star. A kid that comes in, bang, right out of the gate. We've had so many that we've had over the years, right? You know, over the last 25, 25 years. Oh, God. But we have, for the last quarter century, we've seen so many of these kids come in that had so much promise, so much potential, and they either never played up to it or they were rushed and they were ruined, you know? With a kid like Caulfield, give him time. Give him time. What's the harm, okay? What's the harm? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. We got, besides, this is the deepest Habs team that we've had in years. Seriously, it is. You know, there's enough depth there that when the puck drops in the playoffs, you know, everything being equal, if, if everybody's healthy, that these guys, yeah, they have the horses there. I think they could, you know, they could win a couple of rounds. I don't see them winning the Stanley Cup, but they could win a couple of rounds, make us all feel good and make it feel like this team's heading in the right direction. Okay. You know, hey, don't get me wrong. They make the playoffs. You know, again, I'll put my head's fat, you know, hat on and I'll be cheering for them the whole way. But you know, if they can go win a couple of rounds here and give us some hope for the future going forward, I can take that. You know, yeah. we it's been 27 years. We can wait a little longer. But don't rush the kids and ruin their development is what I'm saying. I'm with you 100% on that. And I think I think we've covered quite a bit of the uh, the deadline. We even touched on some of the Canadians' development pro, uh, process. So why don't we give uh, give our my listeners uh, a little bit of a heads up where they can find you and some of your work. Oh, well, absolutely. Well, first of all, first and foremost, uh, spectershockey.net. That's where, of course, I uh, do my daily uh, compilation of uh, the days uh, there were the previous day and evenings, uh, notable headlines, scores, that sort of thing. And of course, uh, the bread and butter is uh, my analysis of uh, the trade rumors that come up and free agent rumors as well. Uh, You can also find my work at uh, featured.io. You can also find me with uh, Bleacher Report. And uh, if you're in Germany, I also uh, do a weekly column for Ice Hockey News as well. And here on Prince Edward Island, I have a bi-weekly column uh, in The Guardian, DDI. So uh, I think that pretty much covers all the places that I've I've read for so many things over the years. (laughs) Those are are the people that are currently employing me, and I'm so grateful for them. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. Busy man in his retirement. (laughs) <laughs> second career my friend second right. career oh uh yeah um but i'll tell you it's yeah it's busy but uh i would rather be busy than than not in in, in these, these this this uncertain time so uh yeah definitely enjoying it well i want to i want to thank you for coming back on the show you, again you're always welcome to come back we uh we appreciate all the old salts willing to uh to spend some time with us Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, you know, uh, I'd be happy to come back again. You know, next time, maybe the other two guys will show up and show some respect, <laughs> you know, yeah, respect your elders instead of making excuses. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Treg's probably busy lifting stuff, trying to look buff and 
you know, Matt's got a skincare regimen he's got to take care of. So <laughs> those Air Force uh, types. <laughs> <laughs> They're not here to defend themselves, so scroll. Oh, uh, why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll hear about it once they hear once they hear the show. <laughs> no doubt. So again, thank you very much for coming on, Lyle. I appreciate My that. Pleasure. My and, pleasure. Uh, anytime. You're welcome back anytime. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.